Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I, I mean... As a front office, as an organization, you know, we have to be, you know, smarter than going with small sample sizes. These guys have long track records and, you know, how a guy's hitting in April positive, positively or negatively is not going to impact our, our uh, perception of that player's value. So, I I mean, from our, from our perspective, you know, what happens in April is not going to alter that. That was Jed Hoyer yesterday. This is Jed Hoyer today. With us on the Alpamani Nissan Hotline, Alpamani Nissan on North Avenue in Melrose Park, or at apnissan.com. He is the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, and this is uh, his first opening day in that capacity. So, uh, happy opening day to you, Prez. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's cold, but uh, at least the sun is shining, so we're all good. Jed, when we get ready for this opening day, we've talked a lot about the roster, of course, and and the decisions that you had to make. My thoughts do go to Nico Horner because he was such a topic of discussion. It's one of those tough talks you have to have with a player when he's when he's proven that he's performed in the spring. What do you tell him? What was the advice you gave him when when you made the decision to send him down? Well, I mean, first of all, he played great. I, I thought he. Um... He added a lot of muscle. Uh, he came in, in camp uh, in great shape. I thought he did a lot of really good work this winter on his swing, and I use ele- elevating balls in the air to left field, which is something he didn't do last year. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives. Um, you know, ultimately we had, you know, all of our second basemen played great this spring. Um, you know, it was sort of unanimous that David Bodie had, had won the job and, and, frankly, you know, deserves it. He's been here for four years. He played great. Um, I think he can really provide an impact offensively for us. Um, but it wasn't as if Nico didn't do everything possible. And to his credit, he's so mature. He realized that he said, you know, listen, I don't, I don't I have any regrets. I, I played well this spring. I came in in great shape. Um, what we told him is what we would tell any player. We were, we were honest. And we said, we see you as a starting player, you know, in, in the big leagues for a long time. And that we don't want you um, up here right now on the bench, really I mean, kind of operating as a 26th man on, on the roster now we need him getting at bats because when he does come up here, we, won't, we want him playing. We don't want him in that kind of role. So, you know, the Nico situation is is really unique uh, when you look at it because, um, I mean, this guy spent less time in the minor leagues than pretty much anyone other than like John Olrud or someone someone like that. So, um, having him down there getting some work, um, I think it can really benefit him and benefit us. But uh, certainly, he has a bright future with us. And I've been looking at a lot of these decisions through the prism of defense. And I know it's not 
sexy for fans to talk about being an elite defensive team. But the fact is, it makes a huge difference. The run prevention side and, and how this all fits together. You know, if I think you're going to score enough runs, right? If you have, if, if, if all these guys finally have a representative year at the same time, that should take care of itself. But if you do have uh, pitchers who will have balls in play, and you have that opportunity to, or that in the margins to really improve defensively. Is that top of mind for you for the way games are managed, for the way the roster is managed, to really try to be better at turning batted balls into outs? Yeah, and I think we have to be. I mean, last year I thought we did a great job of that. Um, you know, we won the, that, the gold glove in the National League as a team, and uh, I thought we were very good at, at converting batted balls into outs, and we have to be. And, you know, some of that comes through uh, simple defensive talent and some of that comes through quality positioning, but now we do have to do a great job with that. And um, that has to be something that is top of mind for us because uh, we don't have, you know, a bunch of guys striking out 30% of the hitters. We, and we know that we know we have to um, convert those, those, those balls into out. So I think defense has to be a huge priority. Uh, we always make it a priority uh, in spring training. And I thought we, uh, we got back to that last year and I thought it felt the same this year. One of the fun parts about the roster decisions you made was seeing Albert Alcelay's reaction and just the attention that he's paid in spring training, the gratitude. And we've seen many pictures of him picking Jake Arrieta's brain. What was that conversation like with him when he got to find out that not only is he on the roster, but he's in the starting rotation? Yeah, no, it was great. And he, he had an interesting spring. You know, I think he came in just in, uh, in great shape and came in ready to go and then struggled a bit and sort of lost the, sort of lost the shape of his slider for a while. And I do think one of the things that's, that's, that is great about modern baseball is that, um, you know, in the past, I think it would take a while to, you know, to get the shape of your slider back or to, you know, get the velocity back on your slider. And now with all the pitch data we have in the labs and everything, you know, it's a lot easier to, to get guys back on track. And I thought our, our pitching guys did a really good job of getting him back to where he was at the end of last year. So um, I thought the way he looked at the end of spring was, was phenomenal. Um, and I was really proud that he, he worked through that. And, um, you know, we went into spring training uh, with the assumption that he'd be in the back of the rotation. Uh, there was definitely some moments early where we weren't sure if we would, we'd be able to do that, you know, just given the way he was throwing. But he got back on track, and uh, I was super proud of the way he was uh, resilient and stuck to it and, and got back to where he needed to be. What ball are we using this year? Because I just saw the Rob Arthur piece yesterday that apparently two different baseballs were used in spring training. One is really slippery and or bouncy, and the other one is not. (laughs) So, I mean, I I read that as well. Um, I don't know the answer. I wish I could give some kind of interesting analysis. I don't know, and I almost just feel like, well, we're going to find out. And I think that's one of the unusual aspects of our game, right, that, like, you know, I think we we all assumed that this ball that we use this year would be, as we were told, a couple feet more dead. You know, a little bit, a little bit less jumpy. And then you read that piece and it tells you that might not be the case. So um, I don't know the answer. And I like I think like everyone, I think we're going to find out. And uh, that's one of the unusual things about the way we use two balls in spring training. And, and frankly, I have a really hard time evaluating padded balls in spring training anyway. That it's really dry. The ball really travels. Um, it's hard to, you know, pitchers don't spin the ball that well uh, in, in Arizona because it is so dry and the air so thin. So it's hard to evaluate the, like the, the, the batted ball arc or the batted ball trajectory in spring training anyway. And so I think we're just going to 
all find out together. Are we, are we using a ball that's going to fly? Or are we using a ball that's going to be a little bit better? I don't know. <laughs> this is fascinating because if you guys don't know and we don't know, then it's safe to say that there's very few people who do. So at what point do you think? I, don't, I truly don't believe anyone does. I think that's the honest truth that I just think that, you know, um, I think there's a lot of variables at play. And um, like I said, we were, what we've been told was that it would be probably a couple feet uh, shorter, but um you know, I guess I'll go with that until proven otherwise, but it's really, I don't think anyone out there like has a really good feel for it because, you know, for that reason. Well, that's cool. It's not like you guys had a ton of other stuff to evaluate or anything this year. So, <laughs> know, right? so that said, let's, let's combine it all, right? You have the shortened season last year, trying to figure out how much spring training makes a difference this year, control for all the other variables and the ball. At what point do you think after seeing real games, are you going to have a better idea of how to balance all your data a month in two months in? How do you do it? Yeah, with well, probably some weather factors as well. I think we'll have to look at a lot of, um, usually the, you know, home, uh, you know, the, the offense is down a little bit early in the season around the league and, and it picks up. So it might take a little bit of time, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned it, right? Like we're, we have so many, uh, things we've never dealt with before. You know, I think that obviously normally we're, we're coming off a, 162 game season with a normal playoffs. And this is the first time, you know, I guess, you know, in a long time that we're coming off a shortened season. Um, so I think that, yeah, that is a huge variable as far as player health and, um, you know, mental fatigue and things like that, that we're going to deal with. And then you're dealing with, you know, the ball issue and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of variables. And, um, you know, ultimately I think that we're all dealing with the same thing. You know, we're all dealing with the shortened season. We're all playing with the same ball, that's kind of how I see it. I, I, you know, we have to deal with those variables. Obviously how we deal with them uh, will impact our success, but I, I still feel like, you know, everyone's dealing with the same things. Well, I've been thinking about that too, this idea of having to downshift back to regular sort of six month breathing baseball mode rather than the craziness of last year. And again, understand, reminding about variance, reminding that good teams have losing streaks and bad teams have winning streaks. So how do you set those, those gauges in your head to get back to that? That, that mode of understanding the game in large tranches of samples. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I felt like last year, I'll be the first person to admit, I don't think I did a great job of that. I think it, it felt, you know, I think because it was 60 games, there was like a level of uh, emotion or, or you know, anxiety that was really difficult because you knew the, the value of every game. You knew that, you know, a, a bad 10-game stretch could really sink you. And so there was a, you know, just a tension that I feel like is, is unhealthy in baseball you have to you know you have to be able to compartmentalize these things and look at the bigger picture and realize that if you're you know if you're winning six out of ten you're an awesome team and, and i think the last year it didn't feel that way it felt like it was so rushed and you knew that you know you, you knew you had to perform right then and so um it'll probably take me a little bit of time honestly to get back to that that sense of like okay we can we have to let this breathe as you said we're going to have losing streaks we're going to have bad moments and and not feel like that one that one bad 
two-week stretch is going to take the whole season. Yeah, all that understood, there is added urgency because of the contract situations with Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez and Chris Bryant when we start looking at the truth of the trading deadline and the most difficult decisions that that you and your counterparts often have to make is, is headed toward that date. That does add a little bit to at least the first half of the season looking at where this team is and what it may be poised to do or not do. It does, but I also would say that, you know, I don't know the exact number of games, but roughly 120 or so games is the deadline, right? So I do feel like that's two-thirds of the way through the season. It's a little bit more. It's double what we played last year. So, you know, I do feel like it's not – yes, there's no doubt there's added urgency. Uh, I think I was asked that in my press conference, and that's the reality. And, and you know, I, I don't really see it as a different mentality for this group. I mean, this is a team that's been playing under pressure for – a long time and it's a big market there's expectations as there should be and so i don't really see that i don't think anyone's gonna panic about that i think it's just like that's just the nature of you know uh, sort of life in a big market jed the last time we talked to you we did talk about how so much of what you and your front office do is is a people business and having the feel for the people and the nuances you pick up and i joked about being a fellow extrovert but it does affect how we do business and learn about people in a pandemic and now that you're able to perhaps do a little bit of that more be you and your job well how has that helped you kind of get back to your normal and what you need to do to evaluate talent the way you know how yeah i really enjoyed uh spring training this year for that reason is that you know i was able to you know talk to the guys in the weight room or or or, you know you know bounce around bounce around the the complex and and, and talk to everyone and that was something i missed last year i didn't feel like i had a a great sense of the pulse of the team i had to sort of uh, have a sense of the pulse of the team through david ross and the coaches and um it it feels really good i mean i think sometimes we forget how much uh during the pandemic i mean some of us i guess (laughs) some don't but how much some of us uh missed that interaction and it is part of what you know, at least for me, I enjoy about the job. I enjoy the people. I enjoy being around everybody and, you know, the camaraderie um, of, a, of a team and the, you know, focus, you know, the intensity of, of being on a team that wants to win. And it's, uh, it's different when you feel removed from that because you can't really go down the clubhouse and you can only interact with certain people. Uh, that makes that really difficult. And on the same note, I mean, I, it's fun. I'm looking out my office window right now looking at you know, looking at fans walking around, obviously they're going to come into the game and it's a, you know, that's a little bit different, but it's so nice to see fans in the stands and our game's not supposed to be played in an empty stadium with fake crowd noise. And I'm pretty excited to, to be around people today for the first time in a long time. We're talking with Jed Hoyer on the Bernstein and Rahimi show here on opening day. He's the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. Are negotiations with Anthony Rizzo's representatives currently ongoing? Well, no. I mean, it, you know, technically, um, you know, he set a deadline uh, of today, and you know, obviously, we're going to honor that deadline. I think that that's up to him. You know, as I said yesterday, um, that's his deadline. It's not ours, and so, you know, we're open to talking anytime. I think that, but like I said, I, I think I have to respect his wishes, and, and I understand that. But um, you know, certainly. Um, Obviously, we want to bring him back. I think I want him playing, as I told him many, many times face-to-face. You know, I want him playing here for a long time. And, you know, what he's done for the franchise and what he's done for the city are, are fantastic. And, you know, we haven't been able to, you know, to reach agreement yet, which is, that's okay. It's part of negotiations. But certainly, it doesn't change our desire to, to have him back here for a long time. 
Are other negotiations ongoing? Baez, Bryant, et cetera, maybe others where they haven't been discussed? Yeah, it's sort of the same place. I mean, I think, you know, almost all players, they, they don't want that distraction. Um, it doesn't mean things don't get discussed in season. I'm not saying it will. We could, we could have zero conversations or, you know, representatives could reach out to us. Um, it, ultimately, that's up to the player and the agent to do that. And so, you know, right now we have no on, nothing ongoing. Um, but that doesn't mean we won't. It just, right now we don't as we sort of start opening day and sort of get the process going. We saw Francisco Lindor sign his big contract with the Mets, that 10-year, $341 million, as we know. How does that affect the marketplace, you think, for guys like Javi Baez moving forward? Uh, well, I think every data point uh, impacts the marketplace, obviously. You know, Lindor, is a, he's an incredible player. I've always uh, told people he was my – I worked him out. It was me and Jared Madison and, and Lindor and this empty field in Orlando 11 years ago working him out. And it was one of the most enjoyable workouts I've ever been a part of. He's such a great kid and, you know, always plays with a smile on his face and they'll love him in New York. And, you know, I think obviously that's a data point. They, they traded for him. Um, and obviously it's a you know, big splash by a new owner. So yeah, it's certainly a, a data point that people are going to look at. Of course, like everything is, but um, it's also, I, I mean, I think in some ways, you know, uh, this was, this was one that, um, a new owner was absolutely gonna gonna get done, and like I said, I'm like given what little I know about Lindor, I'm, I'm happy for him. When you said what you said about the the vaccination process and about how you you can only suggest and implore, you can't require, I was a little troubled that it sounded like you intimated that there would be either some players or uh, front office people, somebody in the organization who didn't want to get the vaccination. Now, I, I just can't get my head around that. I, the, my, it does not compute for me. But what's the extent of the powers of a private business to have some, some rules about who can go where based on their vaccinations? Well, I, I think, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. You know, I don't know exactly what uh, the legalities are of, of uh, private companies in this, in this country. I think in our situation, um, you know, we were bound by, a, by, you know, a collective bargaining agreement and, you know, the players have a union and, you know, you know, my, my understanding of this process is that, that, you know, the, we, we are, the union is strongly recommending that players get vaccinated. Like we're going to strongly recommend it, but ultimately there's, um, we're not allowed to mandate that they do it. And so we'll listen, we'll, we'll educate, we'll talk to our players, I agree with you. My strong hope would be that that all the players and, and staff would would choose to do it. Um, but ultimately, people do make personal decisions, and uh, you know, all we can do is strongly recommend. We talked a little bit earlier on the show about how we we kind of forgot that David Ross managed a shortened season in his first year as the manager of this team. He made it look very not rookie. When, when he put it all together. But this is his first 162-game season that he's going to be at the helm of. What was your impression of, of his season last year and the role he did and how you feel he's going to be able to expand that this year? Yeah, he jokes about that sometimes. Like, that he, you know, his first season was uh, was short. You know, he, he knows it. But, no, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's got, um, as I always say, he's got – such a great way about him. He connects with people. He motivates people. He holds people accountable. Um, no doubt he's going to be different for him. You know, that, you know, it was, it was short last year, but short and stressful. And you know, this will be, you know, this will be a little bit different, but you know, he's, 
it doesn't really matter what um, setting you put him in. I think he's going to do a good job with this roster no matter what. And um, I'm excited for him. And, you know, when, one of his best attributes is that, you know, he knows what he doesn't know. He knows um, his experience. And, and, you know, I can't tell you how many times we came in after the game and he'd be really self-critical, which I thought was one of the, one of the best things about him is that, you know, he was willing to say, okay, here's, here's what I did. I want to talk about this or here's what I did. Like, you know, here's what I was thinking about. And, you know, to me, like just being someone that um, constantly wants to learn, constantly wants to get better, you know, knows they haven't done this for, you know, 40 years, you know, I, I think he knows that um, I think he's only going to get better because he has that attitude of like, I, I know, I know what I don't know. I know how I can get better. And he's always looking to improve, which I think is amazing. Jed, thanks as always. Happy opening day once again. And I wonder if April Fool's Day is different when, when Theo's not around. Because that, that that, that's not somebody I would want to, because I, I know that I would forget and he wouldn't. And there would be some long form, like long con that he would play. Yeah, it's funny you said that because I did have that moment this morning when I thought to myself, okay, like be, be on guard, be on guard. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Happy opening day, guys. Take care. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.